Now, we have been doing a long, a long series through the book of Ephesians. It started way back in about January or February. So it's been going all that time since, uh, since then. We've been, we've been preaching through the book of Ephesians. And today, we have come to the last sermon on Ephesians. And everybody said... <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, we're really, this is an amazing sermon, a series through the Bible, really, isn't it? We just keep on preaching the Bible. We just don't get off it. And that's a good thing. There's some places who've forgotten about the Bible, but we remember where the life source is. It's in Jesus, and His Word is the way of life. Amen? Amen. Let's ask Jesus to help us then as we come to the Word. Father, we just pray that you would just take this time, Lord, as we are sitting around your Word, and that you would. Lord, so engraft your word into our spirit, O oh God, that it would start to bear forth fruit in us, O oh God. Lord, we do not want to remain as we were last week. We want to be getting better every day, Lord Jesus. We want to be coming more like you, Jesus, every day. Lord, we would ask, O oh God, that you would just minister to us by your Holy Spirit. Lord, that you would bind up everything that would distract us today. Lord, we pray, O oh God, that you would put a lock on every demonic thought, Lord Jesus. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would take his word and pour it into us, O oh God. Lord, that we would become full of you, Lord Jesus, and full of your spirit today and full of your word, Lord, and that we would be changed to be more like Jesus. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name, and everyone said... Amen. So we're, we're going to look at God's great expectations. I think there's a book called Great Expectations, isn't there? And um, I decided as we were going through this passage of Scripture to, um, on Friday morning, or Saturday morning, was I got up and I, I just thought, well, I, what, I, what I want to do is I want to read the whole book of Ephesians through from the very beginning to the end again. Just go right through the whole book and just... Just ask God to keep this whole th- book together for me so that it's not just a part of it that we're looking at, but we're looking at the whole book. And as I was just doing that, as I was going through this book, God showed me something in terms of his expectations of our lives. Now, um, that was good because it just for me, it, it helped me prepare this sermon for today. And I, and I want to uh, sh- share with you what the Holy Spirit shared with me. On, uh, on Friday, on Saturday morning, and, on that, and again on Saturday night. <clears throat> so I want to talk about God's great expectations. What's an expectation? Well, if you're going to get married, an expectation is sometimes called an idealistic expectation because you think that when you get married, everything is going to be beautiful from then on. It's like when you get married, all the birds will start to sing and never stop singing. The, gre- the grass will grow green and never stop growing green. Everything will be beautiful. It will just be marvelous. And that's called idealistic expectations. You expect that it's going to be perfect. And when you actually get the wedding is a little bit like that, but what happens is you end up waking up a day after the wedding and you find that marriage is somewhat different. You have to get used to a whole lot of things that you didn't expect that you would have to get. And your expectations are somewhat idealistic. So 
When we talk about expectations, people go, ooh, don't talk about expectations because it's usually the thing that causes problems in relationships. People expect things, you know. They don't necessarily tell me, but they expect things. And when they expect things and I don't fulfill those things and I don't do those things, you know what? People get pretty upset with me. You know, pastors should be, ought to be, must be doing certain things. And if they're not, then you're not a very good pastor, are you? Well, pastors should do this. They ought, should, and must. So you can look at those words, ought, should, and must. Everybody say ought, should, and must. No, so I didn't quite hear everybody. Everybody say ought, should, and must. Now, those words will communicate expectation. If I'm thinking that you ought, should, or must do something, I have an expectation of you. So as I was going through the book of Ephesians, I discovered that the word should was being used a number of times. And so it communicated to me some expectations. And these expectations were communicated from Paul through the book of Ephesians to us so that we could learn something about God's great expectations for us. And I went through that. I was absolutely amazed at what God expects for us. I mean, there's lots and lots of things that are little commandments through the whole book of Ephesians, but I just looked at the word should. And every time I saw the word should appear, I just put that scripture reference down and I, and I just collected all those words and I noted some things from those, that word should. Now, I'm going to share those with you and see how we go. So this is the context of the whole book. And remember, we're, this is our final sermon, so you don't have to listen to this anymore after this week unless you go back and listen to it on the net. It's the book of Ephesians. And we've done a number of things. We've gone through the first few chapters of Ephesians, and that's the top heaven on earth. And we looked about our position in Christ. We then did some sermons on walking worthy, and I think that that introduces around about chapter 4. It says, walk worthy of the calling that you've received. And you can actually embrace all of uh, the book of Ephesians in these sort of words where you are seated in your position in Christ, your walk in Christ. We took a little sidestep and we looked at relationships. In Christ, as in because in, from chapter 5 through to chapter 6, it talks about all these relationships that you have. And so we, we took some time and focused on that. And then we've now taken prayer and looked at prayer in Christ. And so that's the stand, the standing firm in your prayer. So we've done that. So that's where we've been in the last year. We've taken a whole year to go through all that. There's a lot of information there. And if you go back over our website, you'll see how many sermons we preached going through the book of Ephesians. It should tell you something about the Word of God. The Word of God is incredibly rich and full, full of ideas and full of things for us to grow with. And, and, and to read the Word of God is to, is to take a huge vitamin peel on your spirit and just to, to grow strong in your spirit. So get into the Word of God and read it. Now, in the context of Ephesians, I looked at this word and I saw that the word should appear a number of times. And what that communicated to me was the expectation that Paul was communicating that God had for us. And so I want to share some of those expectations with you. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 it says, Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we, and everybody say that word, should. Okay, every time we say the word should, I want you to say should, like you really mean it. One, two, three, should. Okay, and as we read it, when it comes should up, just say, should. Okay, so I want to drive this home inside you so you can know what God is expecting of us. Okay, just as he chosen in him before the foundation of the world that we, should. that's the one, be holy and without blame before him in love. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 12, we find that, that you were first trusted in Christ, those who, sorry, that we who first trusted in Christ should 
be to the praise of his glory. So you see these expectations. God says, I, I expect you to be holy and blameless. I expect you to be the pra- to the praise of his glory. Look at what he says here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should work, walk in them. So he's, this is an expectation. God created us, we're his workmanship, and the expectation is that we should walk in this new way of life. We should walk with Jesus through life. We should walk in a way that is pleasing to God. These good works are what God expects us to do. These are all expectations that God has on us. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6, that the Gentiles, who's a Gentile here? Put your hand up if you're a Gentile. Anybody who's not a Jew is a Gentile. Put your hand up if you're a Gentile. And then everybody else is a Jew. Put your hand up if you're a Jew. Oh, we got one Jew. Lovely to have a Jewish brother with us, but this, this is not for you, this is for us. This is Gentiles, okay? <laughs> it says that you Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise through Christ, through, through Christ, through, oh, sorry, his promise in Christ through the gospel. I'm not reading correctly. You know what happens when I do that? I learned it in King James Version. When I read it on there, it's in a different version. And so when I go to read it, I put the King James in, in my head because that's what I learned it in. So it becomes, so if you wonder why I can't read, that's, it. that's what's happening. So let's do this again. We were created, um, we were his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, that the Gentiles be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. So he wants us to be fellow heirs with the Jews, fellow heirs with those we're not aliens, we're not separated anymore, we are fellow heirs with the commonwealth of Israel that we are heirs of the promises of Israel, that they are our promises as well as they are your promises, Barry, they are our promises as well. We belong to Jesus and Jesus belongs to us and we are his sons and his daughters. Look at verse, chapter 4, verses 14 and 15, it says, and that we no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into all things into him who is the head, Christ. So what the expectation is there is that God expects that we should be mature, that we should grow up and be mature. So he expects us to be holy and blameless. He expects us to be fellow partakers of the heirs and the promises of God. He expects us to be the workmanship of God. He expects us to grow up and be mature. That's what God expects of us. It's like, okay, that's kind of big expectations. What else? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 to 27 says, Husbands, love your wife as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he may present himself to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such things but that she be holy and blameless without blemish and so there's another expectation so that's all the times that i could find in my bible about should that the expectations of god through that whole passage of scripture i couldn't find the word should appearing any other places so i figured 
That's what he's expecting of us, that we should be holy and blameless, that we should be uh, heirs of the promise, that we should be his workmanship, doing good works. All of those things he's expecting of us, that we should be mature, not blown around by winds of doctrine, that we should be giving ourselves to him to the praise of his glory. That's what he's expecting of us. And you know what the problem is? Even though he expects it of us, we cannot do it. It's true, we can't do it. You know, without him, the Bible says in uh, John chapter 15, he says, without him, we can do nothing. So we can sit here today and feel completely overcome by the expectations of God. The expectations of God can be so big that we can feel completely like worms. And that's right, Adolphin, isn't it? You can feel so small. You can feel so small because the things that we face are so big and they're so hard for us. It's like, you know, God wants us to be different to where, you know, he wants us to be holy and blameless. Well, you know, every time I look at myself in the mirror, I see blame. Every time I look at the mirror, I don't see holiness, I see unholiness. I, I, I'm the one who has to live with the thoughts that come pum, tumbling through my head. I'm the one that has to live with the, the, the things that are going on in me. And, I, and it's like, don't you understand, Mark? If God has these expectations of me, I'm doomed because I can't fulfill his expectations. His expectations are way too high for me. You with me? You feeling me? That's what I'm feeling. I might be his workmanship. You know what I do? I keep on, I keep on drifting away and not remembering that I'm his workmanship. I keep on doing the wrong thing, not the right thing. I, I think, God, well, I can't do this. This is not going to be something that I'm going to be able to keep. Your expectations are way too big for me. And whenever God says should, you know that you're going to fail. Everybody say with a loud voice, I'm a failure. You didn't like that, did you? No. Why don't you say it again, this time with a louder voice? I'm a failure. Well, until you understand that you're a failure, you will never go to help. You've got to understand that you're a failure before you will stop trying. You know, if you learn that you're a failure, then you will stop trying to do something. You know, if you keep on trying and you haven't learned that you can fail. You know, I could climb a mountain when I was young. I could climb Mount Barney and it was fine. I could climb to the top of Mount Barney. But I wouldn't even get across the paddock to get to the mountain today. I'm a failure. I can't climb Mount Barney. You know why? I'm older. I've got different knees. They're growing older. I'm a different kind of person. I would have to go into a lot of training before I did that. But you know, I've learned something about climbing Mount Barney. That it's not for me. So I'm quite happy to say I'm a failure at climbing Mount Barney. But you know, when God puts a mountain in front of me that he wants me to climb, he will enable me to climb that mountain. And I will climb that mountain not because I am capable of climbing that mountain, but because he will give me the strength to climb the mountain. I have to be a failure so that he can help me. I have to be a failure so his strength can be in my, my body. I have to be a failure so he can take over. I can do nothing without him. But if I give myself to him, he will do it through me. So his expectations are not so bad if he gives you the ability to do those things. And that's exactly why you don't get the word should appearing in chapter 6. It's just not there. He says, be strong in the Lord in the, in the strength of his might. He's not saying, you should be strong in the Lord in the strength of the might. He says, you just be it. It's there. It's for you. It's there. Just be it. You don't even have to attempt to do this. He says, all of these other things, I'm letting you know. I'm bringing you to this climax. In the last chapter, I'm bringing you to this last thing. I'm going to tell you how you can meet every expectation that God has in you. 
in Christ. He doesn't tell you you have to, should be strong. He says just be strong. Why? Because the onus is not on you to try and be strong. The onus is on him inside of you being strong. Just trust his strength and his might. Amen? Look, you've been trying all week to try and do things in your own strength and you failed. You know, you failed because you can't do it. You can't keep your head straight like that. If every day you say, Lord Jesus, I'm a failure. I need you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. You would have had a different week. You have to learn to embrace failure because it means that Jesus will come through for you in strength, not by might, nor by power, but by his spirit. Amen? Not by my ability, not by my strength, not by my ability to think and reason and rationale, not anything. It's by his spirit. It's by his Holy Spirit. It's all God. Well, I'm excited about that, you know, because it makes everything possible. To him that believes. It makes everything possible to him that believes. Everything is possible for you that Jesus expects of you is possible. Not because you can do it. Because you can't do it. And he comes and lives within you and stands within you and says, I will do it through you. Well, that's great news, Abby. That's fantastic news, Len. It's brilliant news because I can't do it myself. I need someone stronger on whom I should rely. So I'm not frightened about the shoulds. I can read right through the Bible and look at all the shoulds, all the commands of God's scripture, and they're not frightening me. And you know why? Because I'm dead. And Jesus lives inside of me. And by his spirit, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's good news, Claudia. That means Jesus is working in me and with me and, live, and we are going to do life together. Amen? All right. So he empowers us. And I'm going to read this scripture again that we've been looking at in, Romans, uh, in Ephesians chapter 6. And I'm going to just, let's read it and just think about it. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That's where our strength comes from. Put on the full armor of God or the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the trickery of the devil. He says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Yeah, we wrestle against the devil. The devil is a bad egg and he is coming at us and trying to undermine us every single day. I mean, every... This week, he has not stopped. He is like the roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's been prowling around. He looked at you and he says, I know how to get you because I know your weak links because I found them before. He says, I'll just hit those weak links and I'll get you to give up. He knows. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not, I'm not fighting against you. I'm not fighting you. There's a demonic principality that's at work. He, He really wants to destroy you. If he could, he would rip you limb from limb. And leave you without God. So therefore, for that reason, because the devil's bad, for that reason, he says, take the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done everything, uh, having done all to stand, he says, stand therefore having girded your waist with the truth. Okay, well, I want you to stand up now because you're going to sleep already. Stand up, everybody stand up. I really think that this is need to be a, 
an object lesson because I think that you learn better if you do something. Hey, Abby, if you're doing something with it. So stand up, and I reckon it's time to put on our belt of truth. Okay, so the old belt of the truth, it comes up from the legs because you get your old clothes that will trip you up. You tuck it into your belt, and you put the belt of truth around your waist. Everybody put the belt of truth around your waist now. You have to get your hands free. You cannot take notes at this point of time. Turn to your neighbor and say, get ready. Oh, yes, get ready. We're putting on the armor of God. Get ready. Tell them again. Get ready, Abby. Here it comes, the armor of God. Okay, put that belt of truth on. Whoa, tied up nice and tight. I've got the belt of truth on. Say it with me. I've got the belt of truth on. I've got the belt of truth on. Is that right? Have you got the belt of truth on? Let me hear that. I've got the belt of truth on. Yes, hold that belt nice and dry. That belt's going to keep you from falling. That belt's going to keep you from tripping over. That belt's going to keep you there. That belt of truth is on me. I've got the belt of truth on. I'm going to take now and put my breastplate of righteousness on. Put your breastplate of righteousness on. Here you got it. You put your arms like this. I've got the breastplate of God's righteousness on me. Say it now. I've got the breastplate of God's righteousness. Yeah, I'm walking in a continuous relationship with Jesus. I'm walking in his righteousness. I can't see you hanging on to that. Is, uh, uh, Mummy, have you got that? Yeah, the breastplate of righteousness. I'm putting the breastplate of righteousness on. Give yourself a bit of a shake. Does it feel good? Tell your neighbor, I've got it on. Watch out. I've got it on. I've got the breastplate of righteousness on. Now I'm going to put my shoes on. I'm going to put my shoes on. Everybody put your shoes on. Put your shoes on there and your shoes on the other side. I've got these shoes on. Let me see you do your dance. This is the shoes. You can do the moonwalk with these shoes. These are the shoes. You know, this is the peace of God which passes all understanding. It doesn't matter where my feet take me. It doesn't matter what comes against me. It doesn't matter what I face. You know what? I've got peace. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace that stands in my soul. I've got peace that's all over me. Why? Because I've got my shoes on. My shoes are peace. They're on stamp now. Okay? Tell you, I've got peace on your shoes. I can't hear you. I've got peace. I've got peace. I've got peace in my life. I've got peace. And it doesn't matter what I face. I've got peace in my life. Amen? Amen. And I'm going to take now and I'm going to put the shield of faith. It's a big shield. I have to get somebody to help you do Two of you get together there and lift that thing up. Come on, you come over here with me. We've got to get that shield. Lift it up there. Whoa! Because it's mine. It's the steel. Oh, put you back to back. We're safe because we got our shield on. You can't get near us because we got the shield. God is my rock and my shield. God is with me. You can't get me. Watch out, say your neighbor. Watch out. I've got my shield on. Watch out. I got my breastplate on. I got my belt on. I got my piece on. I got my shield on. I've got it. I'm going somewhere. You bet. I'm going up. I'm going to heaven. I'm going somewhere. I'm going to victory land. I'm going to overcome. I'm going to stand strong in Jesus. I'm not going to fail. I'm not going to go backwards. I'm not going to go backwards. And I'm going to stand because I am girded with the truth of God. Full of God's promise. Oh, I, now I have to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And we didn't actually talk about that last week, did we? So you can, hey? Oh, the helmet of salvation. Oh, nearly left yourself without a helmet. Everybody take it, put the helmet on your head. 
I got the helmet on my head. Where do you put it? On your knee? You don't put the hat on your knee, do you? You put it on your head? Do you put it on your foot? No, you don't put it on your foot. Where do you put it? Put it on your head. I have a new mind. Have you got a new mind? Have you got a new mind? Let me see it. Have you got a new mind? I have a mind of I have the mind of Jesus. I have the mind of Christ. It overcomes every distracted thought, every idea that is not of God. It has to be brought into subjection to the mind of God. Jesus lives inside my head. He sits there and he speaks to me. Every day he speaks to me, he tells me and he instructs me. Listen, don't believe that lie. Don't, don't go there. Don't, don't accept that idea. He says, turn away from that. Why? Because you've got the mind of Jesus. You've got the salvation all around you. You think differently. You speak differently. You feel differently. You walk differently. You do differently. Why? Because your mind is in Jesus. It's safe. Amen. Sit down. We've still got the sword of the Spirit to do. Yes. But we didn't talk about that yet. So we can't pick it up unless we know what it is. Oh, that was hot work, wasn't it? And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always, with all prayer and supplication of the Spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. The sword of the Spirit. Well, everything else protects you. Everything else guards you. Everything else looks after you. There's just one little sword that you can use to kill the person who's coming. You don't need a big sword. You don't need a big gun. You don't need a stand back. It's a kaboom, kaboom, kaboom. You don't need anything like that. You just need the sword of the Spirit. It's a small one. Just a small one. You pick it up. It's not a big one that will chop off heads. It's a little one. So that when you get them nice and close, you can go, ah! Got you right between the ribs. And they'll fall over. It's just a small one. Small one. You don't need a big one. You have to have a small sword. But you have to have it and you have to, have to know how to use it. If you don't have it, you're going to get vulnerable. But if you do have it, you'll know how to use it. And this is where it is. You use it in prayer. Then take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying all the time. Now, the word is take. Remember we talked about that with regard to the helmet of salvation. It's the same word because it's in the same verse. And the verse was take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. So the same take means for both things. Remember what we did last week? I said, how does somebody, somebody take something energy? You know, we had cheerfully, uh, loudly, vigorously, and cheerfully. Now, if I were to say, I want to illustrate this idea of take, and I have my all it like this, what would you do to show the effort of getting something and receiving it cheerfully and vigorously? You see, you obviously didn't learn, did you? You didn't learn anything. Ah, a Band-Aid. <laughs> <laughs> you 
You see, you have to do something about this. To take something, you have to go and get it. You have to go and get it. You have to have an attitude to go and get it. He came expecting to get some money because I gave some money. My daughter coughed it up last week. She got, didn't she? Oh, well, she got that money that I think, oh, and you know, I, and you thought it was coming at you. A band-aid. It's still grateful, you know, you, you never know. Why, do, why does Mark have band-aids in his pocket? Because that's what you need sometimes. You look at Mark, I don't know what my finger is missing. Let me put a band-aid on it. <laughs> Fixed it. <laughs> All right. So it's loudly, vigorously take. This idea of attitude towards it is really important when we come to the sword of the Spirit. Because when I think about it, and I think about the way we approach the Word of God, it's very little like vigorously, loudly, and celebrating. Like if you <laughs> just imagine if we lived in a world where everybody went, Yo, it's time to read the Bible. Where is it? Oh, there it is. Oh, oh where is it? Give me the Bible. Oh, here he is. Oh, it's the Bible. Oh, it's, it's so great. Can I sit and read it, Mom? Can I get it? Yes, you can read it now. Oh, oh, oh I'm reading the Bible. I'm reading it. Just imagine if life was filled with people who were so ecstatic about reading the Bible, so vigorously wanting to get to the Word of God. You know what? It's one of those expectations. You ought to read the Bible. If you want to be strong, you've got to read the Bible. Okay, I'll read it at night time before I go to bed. And in the beginning, God said, Let there be light. Well, that's a bit strange, isn't it? I mean, he hadn't created the sun yet. Let there be light. I just That's about it. That's about the level of your excitement when it comes to the Word of God. It's not, oh, give me the Bible. Where is it? I don't see any. But there's no Bibles around here. Oh, there it is. We don't grab it. We go and haul it and say, wow, I've been waiting for such a long time to get to this. I've waited all day. I was waiting and hanging out, hanging out when I was at work and thinking, I can't wait to get home. Oh, I've got it in my Bible. In the way on the bus, I just read the Bible in the, in the bus. Oh, look at that. I'm reading it now. I'm having a good feed of the Word of God. Isn't this good? Amen. See, there's a problem with our attitude. There's a problem with our desire. And hence, we, we don't really get what we want from God because we have a really poor attitude about it, you know? See, take it, take it, take it. Well, I'm all dressed with the armor of God on, and I'm ready, you know, the, the very last thing that I want is to be standing there without a sword. Because if I'm standing there, I've got the full armor of God, and guess what you are? You're a target. You can't do anything. If you don't have a sword, you're a target. If you don't have something to go, whoa, like that, you can't fight. You stand there and you say, I'm glad I got my armor on because I can walk around and everybody can hit me and nothing can hurt me. <laughs> but don't you wish you could have something that you could go, here, take that. When the devil comes pounding away at you and he's giving you a really hard time, don't you wish you to turn around and say, hey, take that devil and give it to him. And God wants you to do that because he provided for you a sword so that you could when the devil gets really up and close to you and starts giving you a hard time you can turn around with a sword and go take that devil and have him 
fall over dead. Well, we can kill them. We can kill every attack, every demon. We can kill that attack and kill that effect in our lives. He'll come back. But every time we can master him, because they overcame him by the word of God. The word of God, they overcame him by the word of their testimony and by the, the blood of the lamb and by the word of God. This is the same word. So we go and read the Bible and it says, In the beginning, God said. Would you like to be in there and see that? God in, an, in eternity past, with an empty heaven, decided to create the world and the heavens and the universe. And the angels stood around and God said, let there be light. And boof, immediately light appeared. Darkness was separated and light shone. There wasn't even a sun there. Light was manifested. There it was. Light was there glowing. And he said, that's good. The created word of God spoke into a nothing and boom, there it was. And that was the beginning of his speech. That was the beginning when he started to speak creative words. You know, he's, that's the same word. It's the same word that you have. It's the sword of the Spirit. You don't need a big one. You've got a big God behind it. You don't need a big sword. You just you take that sword. This is the same word that God used to create the heavens and the earth, devil. Take that. Creative word. Well, if I think that I could have got a creative word, I'll be up out of my seat and I'll be running over. Where is that? Give it to me. Give it to me now. I want that right now. I want, I want to take that home with me. I want to walk around with that. You go, no, don't come near me, devil. You see what I've got there? You want a bit of that? You want some of this? You want some of this? I'll give you some of this. If we just understood, this is the word of God. The Bible tells us in Hebrews, it says, the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It says it's piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, of the joints and the marrow, and the discern of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. This is the word of God. It's so sharp. It can, it can divide where you cannot. It's so sharp. You better, not, you better not handle that wrongly because it will cut you just as much as it will cut somebody else. You better. It is so sharp, this sword, and it's alive and it's active. It's not dead. It's it's working and alive. It's not just black words on a white page locked on your shelf. The living word of God is what comes out of your mouth that creates a new beginning, that creates victory. It's the living word of God that's in your mouth that when you speak it, God honors the work and he does the work. Living and powerful. <laughs> the devil says, I know a dolphin, just think these thoughts. Forget about that God is so good. Just think life is hard. Just think it's so bad. Life is just unfair. Life is miserable. I just think I want to go back to Africa. Well, wait a minute. There is no weapon formed against you that can prosper. I can take the living word of God and I can turn around and say, you know... Satan, you don't want me to be in, Af- in Australia, do you? Because I can make a difference here. And I'm going to stand up here right now and I'm going to say, with Jesus in me, I'm going to make a difference in my life. You can't make me feel despair. 
You can't make me feel disillusioned. You can't make me feel anything. I speak now to my heart. Rejoice in Jesus. I speak now to my situation. Go in the name of Jesus. I take the word of the, word of the Spirit. I say, devil, this, the one that is disillusioning me, go now in Jesus' name. And the sword of the Spirit will cut through the darkness and bring light to shine. Take the word. Take the word. Lift it. Matthew chapter 8, verse 16. This is it. This is Jesus. They brought sick and demon-possessed people to him. So he's sitting there. He's having whatever he was having, a cup of, cup of cold water somewhere. And there's a banging at the door. Oh, can you help me? Can you help me? Oh, my daughter's demon-possessed. Ah, I got a demon. I got a demon. Oh, Jesus says, he speaks a word. And he casts out the demon in the name of Jesus with a word. He looks and says, spirit of deception, leave now. Spirit of infirmity, leave now. And the minute he spoke those words, the heavens rendered. Every demon that was holding and holding and binding up that person heard the word of Jesus and took off. It says, the Bible says, resist the devil and he will... I didn't hear that. Resist the devil and he will resist the devil and he will take off. He will just take off. He cannot stay around. The word of God is so powerful that when you utter it out of your mouth with words of faith, the devil will leave. I don't know how many times I've talked to people and they've said, I just got these feelings coming all over me. And I've said to them, speak to them in Jesus' name. Speak to it in Jesus' name. Said, I can't. It just feels so terrible. They think that the feeling is the case for the facts. The feeling is the case. Because I feel depressed, it means that I am depressed. Well, what if it's a demon making you feel depressed? Speak to the demon and it'll go away and you won't be depressed anymore. You think, oh, I am feeling this thing. It's more real than you understand, Mark. You don't understand how deeply I feel this thing. It's so true for me. I am just as the way I am. I say, well, speak to it now. If you don't want to be that way, speak to it now and tell it to leave you in Jesus' name. Because if it's demonic in his cellar, it will leave in Jesus' name. He cannot stay there. I don't know how many times I've talked to people and they've gone away and they've said, I speak to it in the name of Jesus and it's immediately lifted and their spirits have lifted with it. Immediately the thing that was clouding their minds and oppressing their spirits has immediately left and they have a clear heaven. Who wants this sword? Who wants this sword? You want the sword? You want to stand with the armor on without a sword? You want the sword? You, want, you can have it. Here's your sword. Take it. Take it. Healing and demon oppression. Clouding the minds of people. And they're believing because they emotionally feel it. That there's no way out of it. And Jesus says, take the sword of the Spirit. Take the sword of the Spirit. Take the sword of the Spirit. Grab the sword of the Spirit. Vigorously grab the sword of the Spirit. Take the sword now and wield the sword. It's victory. This is a prophetic word that comes to us from God. In Acts chapter 2 verse 8, it says, In those days I will pour out my Spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. Well, I like that. 
I like that because I can't see the future. And when the word of God is in me, he can see the future. And although the mountain may be big in front of me, and although there's lots of things happening around me, although there's lots of death happening around me, God who can see the future can see what I can do. And he can give me a word to prophesy, to speak something I can't see at the moment, to speak something into existence that is he can see that I can't see. And he gives me this word and he says, now speak to the mountain. He says, speak to it now, speak to it. Even though you don't feel it, speak to it in Jesus' name. And as we speak to it in the name of Jesus, then the victory comes. Your sons, your daughters, your men and women, a spirit of prophecy. I want that. Stand up if you want that. Stand up if you want that. Stand up if you want the spirit of prophecy to speak to situations. Get involved. I tell you what. You know, if God was offering you something that was worth something, you would say, I'd take it with both hands. If you were a cripple and you couldn't walk, and he said, here it is, take it. Would you take it? Of course you would take it. You would grab it with both hands. I want to walk. He said, I want you to walk in the spirit now more than ever before. He says, take the word of God now. Take it in your hands. Hold it in your hands. It's yours. Spirit of prophecy. Oh, spirit of prophecy. That spirit of prophecy to come over our lives. This is the same spirit of prophecy that God told Ezekiel to pray. You can sit down if you're tired of standing up, but that's okay. You can stand up if you want. This is the same word. He takes Ezekiel into a valley and it's full of dry bones. And everywhere around that Ezekiel could look, he could only see dry bones. There had been a massacre there. A massacre so bad that the valley was full of dry bones. And he says to him, I've got a word for you. I want you to take this word. Ezekiel, prophesy to the bones. Can they live? Ezekiel says, well, I'm just going to judge the situation by the circumstances around me. I'm looking at what I'm seeing. And he's, Lord, only you know if these dead bones can live. Well, the circumstances that you've been facing this week may be dead. You may be banging your head up against the wall and nothing is changing. As far as you can see, and it's dead right to the core. There's no life in it. It's everything is, all the possibilities for life have gone. There's no fruitful, there's nothing. It's barren, it's dead. And the God, by the Spirit of Jesus, says to you now, look at that situation. Can it live or can it die? Well, I got the full armor off. And he says, put your hand out. Let me give you a word. Well, uh, you know, can you do it? I can't do it. You, you, you only know. You're the one who knows all things. You can see the future. Well, put your hand out. Put your hand out, Ezekiel, and I'll give you a word. Prophesy to these bones to live. Uh, he said, oh, okay. Your spirit, you spoke to me. To speak to a valley full of dead bones. I take that now. And I prophesied. What the scripture says. And so I prophesied as he commanded me. So he heard God speak to him. He heard God say, stand up, rise up and take this word now. He heard God speak to him. He took it and he, he says, live. And we're told that there was a huge noise as bones started to rattle. Bone coming to battle. You can imagine this valley full of dry bones, Olga. And everything's banging, 
bones hitting each other. Bang, 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 bang. A noise, a rumbling sound as bones. And there laying millions of people, skeletons there. And he's prophesied for them. And then all of a sudden, out of the bones, starts, sinew starts to form. Bones and flesh and, and, and it starts to form. On. And then the skin clothes them. And they're laying there now, human being, laying there. Full human being. And he says, prophesy life into them now. And he speaks, life, live. And there rises up an army, a huge army. Listen to what it says. It says, so I prophesied as, I commanded, as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Man, you want a bit of this sword? You want this one? You want this sword? I, I, I want this sword. It's yours. Take it in Jesus' name. You want this? You want this one? Or you want to play church? You want the sword. It speaks to the death and commands it to live. It speaks to the darkness and commands it to be light. It speaks to the circumstances which seem impossible and says, possibilities come. Do you want this one? You've got everything else on, but did you want this one? Are you going to sit back and say, oh, yeah, ho-hum? Or do you want this one? How much do you want this one? How much do you want this one? David goes to look after the sheep. He says, his father comes to him and says, David, I want you to go to your brothers now. They're in battle. Go down to your brothers and take some cheese to them, son. This is the kid. You're not big. You're not smart. You're not bright. You're not strong. You're just going to go down there and take some cheese to your brothers. So David runs down there and he takes some cheese to his brothers. And when he gets there, he hears this huge big voice. Ho, 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 fee, fi, fo, fum. I'm a Goliath and I've come to turn you all upside down and cut your heads off. Ho, 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 ho. He sits there and he's amazed. What's ugly is that? That's uglier than ugly. But you know what? Everybody else has got their armor on, but they don't have any swords. They're all hiding and terrified because they're convinced by what they feel they can't do anything about it. It takes a shepherd boy that comes in from the desert, that comes in from somewhere else with a different view of things, with a different view of God to walk into that situation and say, I got my sword. I got my sword. He hears the Goliath and he sits there and says, this is disgusting. And he looks around and sees the Israelites hiding away. He says, what is this? This is the army of God hiding. What is this all about? He's incensed by that. How can this be? How can you be so defeated when you've got the living God with you? You know, we're told that David went down to the river and picked up five stones. There is a river that comes from God. There is a river that comes from God, it says in Psalms. At the bottom of that river is some stones. You want some of those? You want some of those stones? Different picture. Same idea. Goliath, we need some stones. He takes five. Why five? It's better to have more than you need when you need it. He only really needs one. But he takes five. This morning when you woke up this morning before you came to church, did you go to the river? 
Did you go to the river and did you pick up some stones? Even though you don't need them because you're coming to church, did you go to the river and pick up some stones? Did you put those stones in your back pocket and say, I might need those stones someday. I'm going to the river to pick up some stones. I'm going to the river to pick up something that I can use. I'm going to the river to pick up some stones to put in my pouch so that I can swing it around my head and kill a Goliath. I'm going to pick up my sword. I'm going to find my sword. I'm going to take the sword of the Spirit. I'm going to put it in my little box here and get it ready because I might need it someday. I don't need to use it all. I don't need to use the five. I only need to use one, but I'm going to make sure I've got five there because if there's more, I'm going to have more for them when they come. How much do you want this? How much do you want the Word of God? What's your passion? What's your passion? What's your passion? I've got to see the next movie that comes out just like that one. What stones did that give you for Goliath? How did that equip you to fight the devil? I just want to go and do that. I know it's not right, but I'm young. I should live before I get old and boring and like you, Mark. Friends, you need the stones. You need the sword. You need it every day. Listen to what it says. Read this with me. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and the spear and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. You get the feeling about this young man. Stand up, Brandon. Looks like him. Not shaving yet. He wasn't shaving. Are you shaving? A little bit. But David wasn't shaving yet. Young. Oh, he'd already killed a bear and a lion with that slingshot. He knew exactly what he could do with his little sword. He knew his aim was good. He knew that God delivered him from the lion and the bear. He said that God had delivered him from the lion and the bear. He had his little sword, but he had his armor. You can see that. He had his sword. He had his thing. Yeah, he could swing that thing and he could, he could split a stone half a mile away with that thing. Well, maybe not that far, but he could really hoof that thing. So he had his stones. This day, and this is the prophecy. This is the word of prophecy in his mouth. He's speaking in there to his Goliath. Listen to what he says. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and take your head from you. Listen, what confidence did he have? What confidence did he have? His confidence wasn't in his ability and strength. He was much smaller than Goliath. He was most smaller. He, he couldn't win a hand cost. There's an arm wrestling with Goliath. Goliath would kill him if he put his hand on him. He couldn't. His strength was in the fact that he knew what he had in God. He had his stones. Do you have your word with you? You need your word. You can't fight the Goliath without the word. He had the stones. He picked them up. He says, I will strike off your head. Listen, but this wasn't enough. He wasn't just going to kill Goliath. What did he say? He says, and I, this day, I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines. He already had the rest of the hundreds of thousands of, I'm going to kill the rest of them as well. With five stones, don't you worry about that. God will do the rest. All I need is the one. Faith in Jesus and one little sword and me with the armor on. And watch out. Watch out, devil. I'm coming. I'm going to do the thing of God. What do you want? 
You know, some people want to live their lives bumbling around on the, on the floor like a chicken, scratching in the dirt. Seriously. All life is <laughs> scratch, 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 peck, 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 scratch, scratch, scratch. It's the, the little things worry them greatly. Look, if you've got to get worried, worried about big things. I like what Cheryl says, you know. 98,000, 98% of people are going to hell. It wasn't all okay for Jesus back then, and it's not okay now. That's a big thing to worry about. They didn't pay me my money. The tax man didn't pay me. Don't worry about that. I don't need to worry about that. God is in control of that. The tax man paid the money. That was good. So that's okay. Listen to me. Worry about big things. What's a big thing? How we can keep our young people focused on Jesus so the devil doesn't take them away. That's a big thing. How we can protect our young people from being slaughtered by the enemy before they reach the age of 20. That's a big thing. Worry about that. That should get you on your knees. That should get you on your knees before God and say, God, so help us if we can't bring up another generation to love you like we love you. God, help us. Give us the word in season. Give us the word in season. Give us the word in season to break that stronghold that destroys our young people. That's a big thing. Hang in there, hang in there, pray in there. You need the sword. Where's your stones? Your Goliath's standing and laughing at you. <laughs> I'm going to destroy your young people. I'm going to rip them out of your hand. I'm going to destroy them. What are you doing about it? Where's your stones? Where's your stones? Did you go to the river? Did you get them from the river? Did you pick them up from the river? And did you swing them around your head? Listen to what he says. This day, I'm going to put the carcasses of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the fields. That all the earth will know that there is God in Israel. Do people know that there's a God in CDM? Seriously, think about that. Listen to what he says. And then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with the sword and the spear, but the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. He was convinced that he was going to do something now. And so it was when the Philistines rose and came and drew near to meet David, that David, I love this, David, look what David does. He doesn't look and say, oh, look, I'm a bit of it. Still, yeah, I shot my mouth off. I'm a bit frightened about this now. I shouldn't have said something. You know? This great monolith of a man starts striding before. He's got a bodyguard in front of him. He's standing there in his big bass voice bellowing out. Ha, 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 ha. He's standing there now ripping fear into everybody else. But David, what does David do? Does he run away? Does he say, oh, I said, oh, I'm a bit frightened now. No, David picks up his stones, the stones he got from the river, and he runs toward him. Not away from him, he runs toward him. He's eager. He's taken what he's got in God. He knows he's invincible. He knows that God will come through. He knows, he knows, he knows he's got the victory. Even before he's at it, he prophesied to this man, you're going to lose your head. And those words of prophecy went forth and he took that stone and it only took one stone and he whisked it around his head and he let it go and he pushed the word of God into the head of Goliath. Bang, like that. And Goliath dropped stone dead. Listen to me now. Listen to me. When that devil come knocking on your door last week, did you take the word of God and drive it, smack it right between his eyebrows? Did you slam the word of God right into his face and say, devil, slam the word of God, take that. You're close enough. You're close enough because you've got the armor on. You've got the sword in your hand. You're close enough to shove that sword right between his eyes. 
bang, take that, David. And he will drop right where he starts to attack you. He will drop to the floor and won't get up. What do you want? Did you go to the river? Did you go to the river and pick up some stones? God says, I am searching for someone who will come to the river and pick up some stones. There are millions of stones in the river. Take it. What do you want? You know, the devil has got you in a corner and he's laughing at you and mocking at you and you're sitting there terrified because you don't think you can do anything about it. And guess what? You need to say to yourself again, I am a failure. Because that is the beginning of success. Because if I'm a failure and I can't do this, I need someone stronger on whom I need to rely. Jesus, come into my life with strength now and give me a stone. The plant between the eyebrows of that beast in the name of Jesus. <laughs> he fell down. And within 20 minutes of him actually declaring those prophetic words, it was soaring through the neck sinews of that beast. Not with his own sword. With a beast sword. And he picked up that gruesome head with blood dripping from its neck. Jesus is bigger. Jesus is bigger. Jesus is bigger than everything that comes against me. Jesus is bigger than the despair. Jesus is bigger than the temptation. Jesus is bigger than the lies. Jesus is bigger than the sickness. Jesus is bigger than the provision that you need. Jesus is bigger. He's bigger. Go to the river and get some stones. You need some stones to kill a beast. You know, when we read about Jesus, we think that Jesus had some sort of extra help. And yeah, Jesus was God on earth. But the amazing thing about Jesus is he actually patterned for us how to live. Not only was he God on earth and couldn't be tempted, but he showed us how to resist temptation with the word of God. So Matthew chapter 4, you show him, he's fighting the devil and he just uses... The stones that he picks up from God. He says, here, here, take this. And he throws it at the devil and the devil can't, can't defeat him. He just beats the devil. Every, he's 40, 40 days without food and drink. He's weak. This man is weak. He's, he's, he's at his weakest point as a man. But the word of God is not weak. Pick it up and throw it at the devil and he has to take off. He can't do anything about that. You know, you've got this mentality where you think the devil's bigger than you. He's got power. The devil's got power. He has got no power except for the power that you give him. And if you decide to take the power off from him and give it to Jesus, Jesus is the power. He is the source of all power. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's where the power lies. If you want to give the devil power, he'll laugh at you and he'll take the power off you. But I suggest that you don't. I suggest that you pick up some stones and get yourself ready this week to fling them at the devil. Now, when they asked Jesus about what he was doing, this is what he says. I don't speak on my own authority. 
He says, the Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. And I know his commands lead to eternal life. So I say whatever the Father tells me to say. Now listen to me. There's no difference there to what Jesus is doing than what we can do. So you've got a situation in front of you that looks pretty grim. You've got a circumstance that you just don't have the answer to. There's something pressing upon you that you just don't think that come through. You go to, the, go to the river. Go and get a pebble. Come stand before your Goliath now. Take that pebble in your hand and say, Jesus, start to toss those pebbles. Which one do you want me to use on this Goliath? Which stone shall I use? Begin to juggle the stones that you have collected from the river. Which stone do you want me to use, Jesus, on this Goliath as he comes down toward you, trying to invoke fear in your life, making you feel sick and nauseous as he comes toward you, trying to he says, which one? Ah, oh, this one. I am the Lord who healeth thee. I forgive all of your sins and heal all of your sicknesses. That's a pretty good one. Can I throw that one at him? Yes, my son. Throw that one at him. So as he comes and the wave of nausea comes on you and you're feeling weak in your guts, you pick up that little stone and say, you devil, I want to tell you now in the name of Jesus. Jesus heals me now. Jesus gives me strength now. And you send that out prophetically. I will be well in Jesus. I will prosper and be in health even as he causes my soul to prosper. I will be well in Jesus' name. Well, what do you want? What do you want? Can you show me your stones? If I came around and said, have you got some stones you can show me? Could you give me some stones? Could you say, what's the word that I could use in this situation? He says, oh, well, Mark, um, I'd have to go to the Bible concordance and have to start studying. Oh, you haven't been to the river for some time. You mean you're not carrying stones with you? Well, that's silly, isn't it? It's like walking around with armor on without a sword. Or you are as target practice. Well, where do you get your stones from? Well, those stones come from the place where you sit down by the still water and you sit down with Jesus and say, Jesus, Jesus, teach me. In Isaiah 50, he says, morning by morning, he wakens my ear to listen like one being taught. <laughs> Jesus, he wakes Jesus up in the morning and says, yeah, son, you're going to go out there and have a big hard day today. I want you to have some words so you can sustain the weary. Here's some stones to throw at the devil. Here, take these stones and throw them at the devil. Morning by morning, he wake. I didn't wake up and say, oh, it's terrible. I've got to go to work today. It's terrible. No, before the sun rose, before the rooster crowed, before anything happened like that, he was awake with a little candlelight and he was sitting there reading a manuscript and filling himself with stones from the river of God, ready to throw at the battle. Well, what did you do this morning before you got up? What did you do last night before you went? What was the last thing that went through your mind before you closed your eyes? 
How long has it been since you've sat on your knees and knelt down before God and said, God, I need you. And then devoured the word and filled yourself with the spirit of God and asked God, give me the word in season to prophesy at the demons around us. What are you going to do this week? This is the end of the one on Ephesians. You can see God's expectations are that you be holy and blameless to the praise of his glory. That you be his workmanship created unto good works. That be joint heirs, joint heirs with the Israelites. You see from the word of God his expectations. And he says to come, come. Take the sword. Take the sword. Because you can do it all with the sword. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God people of faith or people of defeat what's your choice isn't it really it's your choice you choose today whom you will serve come with me I'm going to a river today I'm going to pick up some stones. Come with us to a regional prayer meeting this afternoon and throw some stones. Don't just sit back and watch the next round of Australian Idol or whatever is on the grocer box to fill your mind with perversion. Get up and shake yourself and say, you know what? I'm going to get myself to a prayer meeting and throw some rocks at the devil. Why? Because I don't want to bring shame to my Jesus. I don't want to be ashamed when he comes again. I want to be seen to be effective in God. Because I've got a box full of stones. And he's working with me to destroy the enemy. Amen? Stand up. Let's stand up together. Now, I know that the Holy Spirit has been quickening your life and been speaking into your heart as I've been speaking to it. And I know there's a burning in some of your lives where there's a sense of almost like urgency to get to the river. This is there. It's like As I've been speaking, it's like, yeah, that's missing. That is really missing in my life. I, I'm standing there and I'm just the dummy who's getting belted every day. I haven't got the sword. The sword is missing. I haven't got the sword. I need the sword. Put your hand up if you need the sword. Put your hand up if you say, I want that sword. Listen, I want that sword. I eagerly, earnestly desire that sword. Put your hand deep into to God and say, God, I need that sword. I, I can't give you that sword, folks. 
you have to go to the river and you have to get that from the river of God. You cannot get that from coming here on Sunday. You cannot get that from anywhere else but by getting close to Jesus and say, give me the word to sustain me. Give me the word to strengthen me. You know, if you don't have the word on you now, it's because you haven't been to get the word. Go to get the word this week. Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, those who raise their hands, Lord, call them to yourself, Lord Jesus, to a time of intercession, to a time of getting into your word, Father. Fill them with the stones of your spirit, Lord Jesus, to fling at the devil, Father, so that everything that he does will be brought to naught in Jesus' name. Father, we pray right now for this congregation that you would gird them about with the truth, Father, that you would put your breastplate of righteousness on them, that the helmet of salvation would be fit in place, Lord, that their feet will be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and, oh, God, that they shields will be up Father and that Lord you would give them the word in season the prophetic word to smite the enemy Father to bring him down Father in the name of Jesus we pray and everyone said Amen. Amen God bless you tell your friend your neighbor beside you I'm going to get some stones